Hello and welcome to Cop on Podcast, you fruity, zingy little tart. Two weeks have passed since the last episode, in which time us Liverpool FC fans have taken not just one, but two poisoned darts to the chest after draws with those colourful Amazonian frogs, Leicester City and West Ham. Luckily for us, Jurgen Klopp's resilient Rocket Reds were able to rise up and shake off those nasty toxins by beating Eddie Howe's bewildered Bournemouth in great style, 3-0 at Anfield yesterday. Here to talk about that and look forward to the Bayern Munich game in the Champions League is Joe Casanelli in Spain and Joe writes for ESPN. Uh, and the Times. Uh, there's Jamie Connolly in LA and Linus Lovegaard in Sweden. Thank you so much, really, really, for listening. You can contact us by emailing coponpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at coponpodcast. You can support us via patreon.com forward slash cop on podcast uh, and if you do so you, you would get a shout out of the next episode you could win prizes and all of that but uh, you know thank you anyway cop on will always be free give us a share tell us tell your friends about us enjoy this episode thank you for listening as always so jamie when you look back to the game against Bournemouth, the beautiful 3-0 win for Liverpool. What are your overall feelings? My overall feeling is normal services resumed. Um, it's good to be back back in the goals and taking care of a team like Bournemouth, who, okay, fine, Chelsea lost 6-0 today, but they also lost 4-0 to this team, and Chelsea aren't as dreadful as those two results would seem. Um, I liked our midfield very much. I think it's a real shame that Fabinho will probably have to play centre-back against Bayern because that's the midfield I'd probably like to see go forward for the big games. And also, uh, I think we may have become the most beautiful long ball team English football has ever seen, which is a very exciting prospect for us. <laughs> long ball? What do you mean? Well, I think the, the ball to Ginny for the possible goal of the season. Abby's ball to Firmino. Um, and throughout the season, there's been this this move, this switch, that Henderson or Fabinho plays to Robertson out on the left or to whoever's the, the left forward at the time, trying to isolate them or isolate the, the other sides right back against our, our flyers up front. And it seems to be a pretty effective tactic. Yes, OK. Normal service is resumed. Linus, if... Normal service resumed means thumping teams, 3-0 dispatching them, swatting them like flies. Then we're in a pretty good place, aren't we? How are you feeling? I feel great. We've played practically perfect game. I think uh, we were better in every position. I think uh, the way we played really suited this game. I think we returned to the 4-3-3, which I'm not really sure which is our... Best posi- uh, best formation. I think the four two three one we've played great with most of the season. We won a lot of games through the season with it. But recently, I think it's 
especially against Leicester, we the, we didn't really have players in the right positions there as well. But I think I mean, it didn't really work. And against West Ham, it, we returned to the 4-3-3 and I still didn't think we looked great. But the 4-3-3 yesterday, with, especially with Fabinho ha- handling that uh, lone DM position really well, uh, which he, he hasn't really done before. I'm thinking Arsenal at home when he didn't really cope with... Uh, no, maybe it was the Emirates, where he didn't really cope with that uh, lone DM position very well. So I, I think that's uh, really important for this game. Uh, and I think that's very important moving forward because I think this 4-3-3 is what's in Klopp's plans because Keita really seems uh, in his, at home in this 4-3-3. I think... He, his game yesterday, he was influential in everything we did. He didn't get any assists or goals, but he was crucial to every goal we scored. Yeah, very interesting you should say that about our midfield. Yes, when we've played a 4-3-3 this season, we've had a number of sort of disappointing results. Um, that's generally when we've played Vinaldum, Henderson and Milner as the three, however, and not yesterday's sexy trio of uh, Fabinho, Cater and uh, Vinaldo, who were all superb, I thought. Anyway, Joe, what do you think about yesterday's match? Well, before the game, I was sort of grateful that we were playing a side like Bournemouth and at full time, all I wanted to do was say, God bless Eddie Howe, because I mean, if you could have handpicked a game for, you know, to get us back on track, it probably would have been Bournemouth at home, you know, the, you probably the least like team you'd like to play would be a Burnley or someone like that. But Bournemouth, as we saw in the first couple of minutes, they came out, they wanted to attack, they wanted to take the game to us. And it's played straight into our hands, really. I mean, there are a couple of occasions where we could have made it four, five, six nil. So ultimately, my feelings were that it was the perfect game at just the right time for us. I remember we had a similar one last season when... Um, we played against Huddersfield at home and beat them 3-0, I think it was, after going through a bit of a rocky patch early on in the season. So I was very pleased with the performance and I have to agree with the guys. I think that this midfield now is looking is looking brilliant. It would all it would be my first choice midfield moving forwards, and you can obviously rotate Henderson and Milner into that. However, as Jamie attested to, I think that given the injury problems we've got with Lovren and suspension of Van Dijk, I think unfortunately uh, we may miss Fabinho in the midfield against Bayern Munich in the first leg and hopefully in the long run that won't cost us. Oh gosh, of course you're right. Yes, Fabinho will have to drop back into defence. So we're going to miss that, uh, you know, his presence in midfield surely, aren't we, Jamie? I mean, uh, would you play, I mean, in general, that, that threesome though, I was worried at the start of the match against five Bournemouth midfielders will we be outnumbered, but they were so combative, they were superb, all three of them. Would would that be our first choice midfield, in your opinion? Would I play that team in an ideal world? I think so. I think that's our strongest midfield. Yesterday, there was such balance. They really complement each other. Do I think that maybe we need to see that midfield against tougher opposition before I say this is our Champions League midfield. Probably so as well. I mean, Jordan Henderson does add a lot to our team in terms of leadership, in terms of his calmness at getting the ball out from the back. And although I think Fabinho is probably a better 
better than him in the long term. I'd probably rather see Fabinho doing that for us. Um, but this year, anyway, I think that Jordan Henderson still has a very important role to play in our midfield. Well, OK, yeah, that's very interesting. What do, what do you think, Linus? Yeah, I think it's interesting. I think, yeah, Keita hasn't been uh, playing very, very well for very long. I don't, I don't think it's been absolutely horrible for any of the games he's played. And even if it's been out on the wing, but yeah, I can I can see that. But I think the problem with that is we lose that link between midfield and attack. The I think Gini did it very well uh, uh, against Bournemouth, but I think he hasn't been doing it when Keita hasn't been there, and especially against Bayern in a game where Keita is more used to the pace of the game because it's a, uh, a German team. He's played in the German league for so long and especially against Bayern, the team he knows how to play against, the on, only one in our team, I think, that that's played against Bayern. I think I know Shakiri played for them, but I think Keita in that game will be very important. And I think the way... Or I think we had the perfect balance in our midfield, and I think Henderson uh, is... He's much better in the 4-2-3-1, I think. I think him with uh, Fabinho in a 4-2-3-1 is amazing. I don't think... The only position I feel he... I think maybe he could take Wijnaldum's position, but Wijnaldum was uh, arguably man of the match yesterday, and I think Fabinho has to play every game because he, he was just everywhere. He's grown into the 4-3-3 uh, lone DM position very well, like I said. I don't. I I kind of agree. Henderson is really important to our midfield. We saw that last season, but I think this is the midfield I'd like to see going forward, even if we've only played it once against Bournemouth. I think... The way the way it looked, uh, it just looked very good. I think uh, Wijnaldum got a bit... Uh, he looked very offensive, much more than Kate. I think that that's something I took away from the game. I think uh, Kate uh, almost played a more defensive role uh, and Genie drove forward a bit. And then other times, it was the other way around. I think they played uh, played that, that two more advanced center, central midfielders very well together. They almost alternated attacking and defensive roles, I think. And I think they did it very well. Yeah, I saw that too. I thought that was absolutely superb. They, were, I thought they were excellent. What do you think, Joe? I couldn't agree more, to be honest, with, uh, with what Linus had just said, because I think that one of the main things, that while I do think Henderson will play an important role in the running, again, I think that if you're taking Cater out of that midfield three and you're playing Fabinho, Wijnaldo and Henderson... It's a bit sort of samey in much the the sort of similar way that the Wijnaldum, Henderson, Milner midfield is. I think that Cater brings something that, you know, that Henderson or even Wijnaldum can't offer in the way that he looks to get on the ball, move forward, make a darting run forward. And I think that and ultimately, I think Henderson will probably be rotated in for either Fabinho or Wijnaldum if we do stick to a 4-3-3, but I think he's more suited to the four-two-three-one in a deeper role with, say, Fabinho next to him. The only thing is if if Naby Keita starts to play incredibly well and he's this guy that, in theory, the club has bought to build the midfield around, then you have to sort of build it around him and not just sort of have him ostracised on the left wing as he has been for earlier parts of the season when we've played the four-two-three-one. So... I would like to see us persevere with the 4-3-3 and I think against Bayern Munich, Keita is definitely a must. I mean, if Fabinho does play centre-back as we expect, 
it would be interesting because I think he would probably go for a Henderson, Wijnaldum, Cater midfield. It'd be interesting to see how that works as a threesome and then you can kind of swap and interchange Fabinho for one of Wijnaldum or Henderson moving forward throughout the season. Well, yeah, great answer. Um, I think for me, Cater would get the nod over Henderson for me pretty much pretty much any any game unless we're playing a 4-2-3-1 because Cater in the 4-3-3 he's just got his head up and he's looking forward and those passes that he makes vertically the players around him are getting more used to it now and he offers a lot more attacking wise than Henderson does I just find it just a bit too workhorse or work buffalo I mean it is a strong midfield um i don't know jamie you would really play henderson over cater i think for the run-in the 4-2-3-1 will still be our formation of choice against the smaller teams because we've done that all year and the 4-3-3 will be our formation against the big teams and i think i'd like to know what joe and and linus think about what Klopp will do rather than what they'd rather see (laughs) because he's been pretty conservative with that midfield three all season um, yeah. We've seen a lot of that that midfield three that got us to the Champions League final being brought back in. And that's where I think Cater will come out for Henderson because I think Klopp looks at Henderson in the big games and says, you know what, I can trust him. And even with United coming up with Pogba in the form he is, I think Henderson will play ahead of Cater for that reason. Yeah, to be honest, I fully expect um, I fully expect the Bayern Munich midfield to be Milner, Henderson and Wijnaldum. I mean... I'd be pretty astounded if it isn't, even though personally I would have Cater in there, given that he's played against Bayern Munich in the past. And, you know, if there's one opposition that he's tailor-made for, you would say it is to be a play against Bayern Munich. But as Klopp showed earlier this season when we played PSG away, you'd have thought that Fabinho would have been tailor-made for that game, given his history at Monaco. And turned out that he started on the bench. And I think that, again, Klopp has shown that that midfield three, the workhorse midfield, the midfield that he likes to play. And I'm almost certain against Manchester United, he'll play, because obviously we'll have Van Dijk back, and I'm almost certain he'll play Henderson, Fabinho and Wijnaldum, I reckon, against Manchester United away, with Cater maybe coming on as an impact sub. It's not what I do, but I think it's what Klopp will do. I just all depends on how many games Henderson can play in a short space of time as well, because if Henderson with a track record of not being able to play sort of a game every three or four days, it may be that he drop, he plays one of Bayern or Manchester United. Well, it's a very interesting answer. Um, you know, again, for me, I would just look at the fact that the 4-3-3, when we've played Wijnaldum, Milner, Henderson, hasn't really worked. And one thing that Klopp is really good at is learning from his mistakes, um, I think. Um, what do you think, Linus? Will Will Klopp go for that 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 workhorse midfield? I really don't think he's going to change it up. I think the workhorse midfield, Milner, Henderson, and Vinaldum is going to be what he goes to in the big games. Maybe, maybe at least in Europe, because he knows that works. He, he that midfield basically, even though uh, Ox really played an important role uh, before he got injured, has it's what got us to the uh, final and I think we look at Napoli at home in the last game they were fantastic playing together so I think at least at home I think that's against uh, Bayern I think that's what she's going to go with because he knows that works at home it's 
our away form with that midfield that has been abysmal in the, especially in the Champions League and I think that's when he might change it up but I think Klopp is a I, I love Klopp I think so but I think he's a bit scared to change it up in the big games because he knows the work of midfield works he doesn't know if the other works so he knows if the other uh, this other midfield he might try work doesn't work he know he could have gone with the midfield that he know works but I don't it hasn't worked this season, so I think he should change it up. But I don't. I don't think he will. I think but, he's maybe a bit scared of uh, changing it up. I don't know. I that's the feeling I've gotten from it. I'm not sure if it's correct. It probably isn't because clubs a manager uh, that's on such a high level. I don't think that should play into effect. But th- it kind of feels like it has. Well, that's a very reasoned answer and a very excellent answer. But uh, I want to bring it back away from um, Klopp's ideas against Bayern Munich in the Champions League and bring us back to the current situation in the Premier League. The title race, the chariots are blazing around the course at full speed. The horses are panicking as they're heading towards the finish line. Joe, tell me, we're still in this title race, aren't we? I mean, Manchester City may have just, you know, crapped all over Chelsea and Sarri balls must be, you know, Sarri's balls must be hurting after that match. But uh, we're, we're still going to win this, aren't we, Joe? We're, we're rocky against Ivan Drago. We can knock him out. <laughs> well, we can win it. Uh, whether we will or not, I'm ultimately not entirely sure. But um, yeah, of course we can. You know, we we have a game in hand and a level on points with them, and even you know, and that game in hand may well be at Old Trafford. And if we lose it, well, we're still level on points with them ultimately. So I think that to suggest that we we were we're not in a title race or that the City have now won the title, which essentially seemed to be the narrative when they beat Everton uh, in midweek. Uh, it seemed to be the narrative: our oh, City are back on top. This is the normal service resumed and so everyone kind of forgot that well Liverpool have got a game in hand and one thing that I do want to say that something that's actually quite bugged me over the past couple of weeks you know when Liverpool have drawn a couple of games or Spurs have slipped up is that it is to- the notion of suggesting that Liverpool were bottling it or that Spurs you know Spurs's title challenge has never got going that is just ridiculous because as you said yourself before Manchester City had Sane didn't even get off the bench. They had David Silva on the bench, Gabriel Jesus, Riyad Mahrez, you know, all these players on the bench. And the fact that Liverpool and and to ever so slightly but still significant extent Tottenham are living with them and keeping pace with them is, is quite frankly incredible. And I think that both Liverpool and Tottenham deserve enormous praise for for being where they are, rather than having this narrative of all, all, you know, Liverpool, they're bottling it, they're cracking up, they can't handle the pressure. It should be praise of, well, they've managed to run City this far, why can't they sort of dream that they can go on and and win the title? Because if you look at the two squads, or the three squads even, you know, City should be winning this league by an absolute canter, like they did last season. When you consider that, you know, Spurs are bringing... First change is maybe someone like a Victor Wanyama or 
They brought Nkudu off the bench away at Watford a couple of weeks ago as a, you know, a sort of last roll of the dice. And Liverpool doing that with the likes of Divock Origi when we need a goal or we've got to throw on Origi. And Pep Guardiola can turn around and say, oh, do I bring on Gabriel Jesus, the £35 million striker? Do I bring on £40 million Leroy Sané? Do I bring on club record £60 million Riyad Mahrez? You know, when, when a manager's got those kind of luxuries... A little more praise deserves for Liverpool and Tottenham, whether either of the sides ultimately win it or not, or City go on to win it. You know, I think that's irrelevant. I think that we deserve enormous credit for actually making a fist of this title race. Well, you're absolutely right. And I watched uh, Tottenham against Leicester earlier, and uh, Tottenham had some some guy called Skippy or something like that, uh, some some new kid that they played. I don't know some. Skippy the kangaroo because they can't afford to buy anyone else and they still beat Leicester. Unbelievable stuff. Uh, Linus, are we going to win the league? Yep. Yes, we are. I think... Uh, I, I I guess I'm I'm being a bit unrealistic with that. I think... I, I ultimately, like said, I don't know. I think we will. I think we have the qualities to do it. I think we've shown that even though we haven't done very well the last two games like like people were mel- having twitter meltdown saying we bottled the league because we drew two games N- like we- us drawing two games sounded worse than city losing three games in a row i think with palace leicester and chelsea and we are the ones that that's had the worst uh, uh drop with of points i saw the stat the last five games uh city had dropped Five, 12 points and we have dropped 7 and we are still the ones that's uh, doing worse I think yeah we haven't played very well but I think that was inevitable I think every team goes through this patch where they don't play as well and we, we you could say we had it in the beginning of the season but we still won the games and against Leicester and West Ham we didn't and it the, there was obviously negativity around it and I think uh, the Bournemouth game was just a statement we we can still play well we can still win games and hopefully we, we bounce back from this and uh, next Tuesday I think it is we beat Bayern Munich at home I think that's a really important thing we start at home uh, and then we have Manchester United these two games may be the two most important games of the season however many times we've said that but I think they really are I think Manchester United is the game. Like even if we lose, we're uh, level on points. But the C- City, after beating Chelsea quite handily, I I struggle see to see them drop very many more points. I think we need to get back to the form where we beat Arsenal five one and just keep that form. We need to if we can keep that going, if we keep playing with, like we did against Bournemouth, I don't think anything can beat us. I think we played practically the perfect game. So, yeah, I think we'll win the league. I, I, I really do think that, and I also hope so, because I'm getting tired of Twitter. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a crazy place, Twitter. It's absolutely nuts. Um, uh, Jamie, I mean, obviously, as Lena said, we're back on form against... Bournemouth, uh, but the title. I mean, City. They can, they can slip up at any point, really. I mean, they, you know, as good as they are, um, they're, you know, they still. I mean, they've lost to Chelsea, Palace, Leicester, and Newcastle since the eighth of December. You know, so I mean, 
anything can happen with them. Um, are we going to win the league, Jamie? Um, we definitely can win this league. I mean, I agree 100% with Joe that if everyone takes a big step back and looks at three teams on 65, 65 and 62 points right now, or I suppose on 62. Um, 61, I think. 60. 61. I mean, it's incredible. It really is incredible to have three teams. I mean, Liverpool and City are going at two and a half points a game, which is, you know, going to come out around 95 points at the end of the year, which to have two teams do that is, you know, unseen of before in the Premier League. And as you've said, Owen, City have dropped some points recently. We've dropped some points recently. We probably don't even need 95 points to win the game, to win the league even. And if we win, say, eight of our next game, of our next 12 games, that's probably enough to do it. And that would mean beating, say, Watford, Everton, Burnley, Fulham, Southampton, Cardiff, Huddersfield and Newcastle, which is, for this team, they're 100% capable of doing that, taking maximum points in those games. And then the rest of them, United, Spurs, Wolves and Chelsea, are almost free hits. So, yeah, I think we can win the league. I think that somewhere in the low 90s is what it'll need to win the league. But with the games left and with the team we have, yeah, absolutely confident that that we can do it. I love it. I love the confidence. Um, uh, yeah, absolutely. Joe, I mean, when you compare our win against Bournemouth, um, which was terrific, it was a fabulously heartwarming, warmed the cockles of all of our heartstrings, it was absolutely. It was. It was. It was just beautiful to watch. After that, I mean, what were the main differences between that performance and our poor performances comparatively previously uh, against Palace? We were a bit lucky. You could argue four three, Leicester one one, and West Ham one one. What was that? What were the major differences for you yesterday, Joe? Well, um, where'd you start? Uh... I think that one of the major differences was the type of opposition that we played. Obviously, as I alluded to earlier, that Bournemouth are a side that actually want to, they want to come and play football. They're not just going to go very direct or look to just spring on counters. They might actually look to, they look to play out from the back and dominate play, which I think suits us. And which is why I think it was a good game for us. Uh, But I just think that as, you know, Klopp's in his post-match interviews, the pressing was just that bit sharper the passing was that bit crisper. And I also think, I mean, obviously I wasn't at the game, but I watched it live and the atmosphere just seemed to be completely different than what it was like against Palace or especially against Leicester. Because I think that everyone saw City lose the night before and people got a bit, you know, suffered a, a bout of anxiety of, oh my, if we, we, need, we have to win this game because if we don't, then we will let City back into it. And in the end, that crept onto the pitch and the players. And I think that's where the whole bottling it narrative sort of originated. Uh, and I think that the major difference was it just looked like that we were enjoying football again, like against um, West Ham, you know, it was one of them Monday night under the lights away at a tough place where, you know, where big teams are capable of slipping up and we just didn't look quite at it against a team who were very much up for it. And, you know, those those days happen. I think that the one consolation that we can take is that we've had a couple of blips, but those blips have meant that we've drawn a couple of games 1-1, whereas you know the likes of City have s- slipped to defeat away at Newcastle. So 
I think that the main thing is just that the players just seemed a lot more relaxed, a lot more happier about themselves. And I think that the fans have finally kind of got the message of, we, you know, while we are also desperate to win this title, the thing that we need to concentrate on is putting all our energy and focus into getting behind the team no matter what. Uh, and I think that that's the main difference mm. from the, the past few games. That's a very good answer. That's a very good answer. Anything to add, Linus? No, I think, yeah, the atmosphere from what I saw was, it was almost like a European game. I think I totally agree with what you said. I think we we just need that to continue. We need that support for every game because even I think Van Dijk, as I said, that really helped them. So uh, if we can continue doing that uh, both away and away from home and at home, we can just. I think that will just be uh, amazing, and I think that would go a long way to uh, uh, winning the league and maybe doing well in the Champions League as well. Excellent. And you, Jamie, anything you want to add about our performances, the difference yesterday compared to other ones? Um, Not really. I mean, for me, I think that Leicester, you can always write off. The pitch was a mess. The atmosphere was maybe a bit weird. Um, We should have had a penalty. We would have won the game. They should have had a red card. This isn't Liverpool moaning. This is just bad officiating. Um, West Ham, we were bad the first half. We got away with a few things. Declan Rice should have scored. But then second half, we were the better team. And, you know, you can have an off day and come away with a draw. And a draw away at West Ham isn't the end of the world either. Um, So, no, I think that the difference is we probably found our rhythm again a bit yesterday. And we looked more like ourselves. It was kind of back to business, as I said at the top. Can I also just say that? I think the one major difference as well, it's just sprung into my head, is... Jeannie Wijnaldum uh, didn't play, I don't think, against Palace or against Leicester or against uh, West Ham, or he may have only played in two of those three. And to have him back, I thought, made a huge difference. Yeah. And I think that he's yeah. arguably as important for us as Fernandinho is to Man City at the minute. Yeah, I agree totally. And actually, I hadn't picked up on or like what the biggest difference is. We also fielded a kind of a quote-unquote real team against Bournemouth. I mean, Milner's played a whole season at fullback for us while he was on the left-hand side. But, you know, the thing about having to play Henderson right back, the fact that Henderson and Wijnaldum were sick um, and having to keep chopping and changing the team. I mean, yeah, we we put out a first-strength team yesterday and we won a routine game 3-0. It could have been 5 or 6. And I think that's the... Well, that was the rest of the end. Yeah, sorry, that, uh, sorry to interrupt. Yeah, I mean, that was the thing I was going to say, was that, you know, football's about the players you can put on the team. And, you know, unfortunately, Lalana. I mean, I, I looked at his entire career the other day. I, he's got something like 206 career appearances with, I think it was 32 goals and 27 assists in his entire career. And I compared him with the snod, 
of all people, Robert Snodgrass of West Ham. And uh, he's had 197 career games and about 37 goals and roughly 37 assists. So Snodgrass is statistically better than Lallana. You can say what you like about statistics, but when they're extrapolated over an entire career, I think they're valid. And Lallana is exactly the man you want to bring on when you're 2-0 up and you want to make sure that nothing happens in a match because he's brilliant at that but to start him you know like we did against Leicester on a snowy pitch and you know to, to we just you know we don't have the depth we do not have the depth compared to Manchester City so that brings me to my next question uh, and I'm going to stay with you Jamie on it um because I was talking to somebody who's a who who works in the in the in the in the footballer world the other day um he was actually a scout and he was saying for liverpool the best thing that can happen to liverpool for their title run is to go out of the champions league now i know our instinct is to go no way our best thing is best thing to do is to is to uh, you know is to go through against Bayern Munich see how far we can go but he was adamant that you know come March come April by playing our front three every game which is what we do we're gonna suffer we're gonna suffer unless we go out of the Champions League would you would you agree with that Jamie or would you say hell no we're gonna win it at the Wanda Metropolitano or whatever it's called in Madrid uh, my instinct was hell no um, and my answer is still a firm no. I mean, we've had the 10-day break in Dubai, which went excellently for everyone involved. Um, <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think we've got another one coming up. Um, and honestly, getting through the group stage of the Champions League should be our, our minimum, and not getting into the last eight is such a shame. I mean, if you look at the teams that will be in that last eight, it's really the, the best teams in Europe. And it can only be good for the players to be one of those eight teams. Afterwards, maybe you could make arguments about it, but I don't think there's any part of me that will ever think it'll be good for us to be knocked out of the Champions League. Well, OK. All right. I mean, I've been thinking about this for a couple of days since he said it, and and I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm in two minds about it because, I mean, in retrospect, is, is, it, you know, obviously hindsight is, is perfect you know, 2020 vision or whatever they say. Um, but uh, I don't know if we could go to the end of the season and, you know, we've got three games left and Salah, Firmino, uh, Mane, they're all knackered because we, we we got knocked out of the semi-final of the of the Champions League or something, then I would be I would be devastated that we can't focus one hundred percent because they can't they can't realistically last all season. Uh, can they, Joe? I mean, what do you think? Can they? To be honest, I completely agree with Jamie in that, you know, your bread and butter for a club like Liverpool stature should be a minimum getting out of the group. And considering we got to last season's final, you want to be looking to make another impression on Europe. And the only way you're going to carry on being able to sign top players of the calibre of Mane, Firmino and Salah is by consistently doing well in Europe and making people take notice. Obviously, I fully take into account that it could be a, a blessing in disguise, but I would never actually want to act. I, unlike Everton fans, I would never actively want our team to lose, even if it's for the greater good, as they might say. Um, 
However, and what I appreciate that they, you know, you've got to say they can't go all season. This is where, firstly, I think it's where getting knocked out of the FA Cup probably comes into its own because we've got another 10-day break coming up. I think uh, Jürgen's taking them off to Spain. I hope that they don't eat the, you know, don't eat the wrong food or drink the tap water or whatever it was they did in <laughs> Dubai because that appears to have been the absolute disasters of all disasters of away bonding trips. And I think it was only... I think it was supposed to be a, an eight-day trip that they changed to a four- or five-day trip because so many people were getting ill. So I don't know if the, the chef over there was a City or United fan or something, but hopefully Could they be. Uh, hopefully they resolve those issues this time. And we've got a nice 10-day break now before Bayern, and then we're not playing a game every three days, and that would only kind of come into effect in the semi-finals. But with a decent run of fixtures, especially towards the end of the season, I think that's where a manager like Klopp has to earn his money. And, you know, look at yesterday. If we didn't have this 10-day break coming up, if we had a game this weekend, as soon as it went 3-0 on 48 minutes or whatever it was, I would have been screaming at Klopp to get one or two of them off, bring Sturridge and Origi on the games over, you give them 45 minutes to put their feet up. And I think that maybe Klopp's just going to look to try and blitz teams and then get people to put their feet up and have a rest in that way as a, or even you know what's the point of having a squad if you're not going to use it and I think maybe Shakiri might start the odd game I think that Sadio Mane's played a lot of football this season he seems to be only one of them who's not not had a rest at all even played you know third round of the Carabao Cup and all that so I think that you know Shakiri might come in Sturridge might come in for the odd game especially the home games against a sort of a lower opposition I think that we should be looking to challenge uh, on both fronts because at the end of the day, you know, why why can't we dream? If you're going to dream, dream big. OK, but Linus, I mean, would you trust Sturridge to come in against lower table opposition? And what did you think of our front three yesterday? And, and can they last the season? There you go. Three questions. You can choose one. You can, I don't know, do, do what you will with those three questions, Linus. Yeah, well, first of all, I just want to say the what you what you said about the chef being a city fan. Considering they were in Dubai, maybe it'd been paid off by the shake that owns city, but who knows? But uh, getting into the front three, Sturridge, I don't think so. I think he's proved to be good when he get, gets on in game, uh, being subbed on. Uh, uh, West Ham, the first game of the season against Chelsea. He did very well getting that late equaliser. But when he's starting, he doesn't really look up for it. He doesn't press very well. He doesn't run very well. So I'm not sure if I want him to start. And otherwise, I think our front three yesterday looked fantastic. I think the interchanging and uh, even adding Kata to that. I I think it was you, Owen, that said this. It looked like, uh, maybe it was you, Jamie, but I think it's the, when Kate and Mane looked like they were sort of interchanging with, the, with their position, who attacked and who uh, stayed a bit behind. And I think, yeah, I think we really, that yesterday that, that worked perfectly. And I think we need that from three to be able to play the way that Klopp does. And that's why I was a bit disappointed that we didn't sign... A, especially another left winger to back up Mane because now if we need someone to play on that left wing or left midfield depending on the formation we have Lalana which I do not trust maybe we could uh, play Moreno up there he seems to be better attacking than defensive anyway 
uh, and Origi perhaps and I I just seeing City's backup players like Sane and Morris on the bench uh, it just you can see what that depth gets you and I think we really lack that attacking depth even though we we have done ways to uh, get better depth in attack, especially Shakir has been doing very well, but we still don't have someone to back up Mani or even giving him a challenge for that position. Which I yeah, I, I think it's it's a very dangerous move by Klopp, and I think that that might be, if anything, what uh, makes us don't win the title if our front three, which I think have to play every game, maybe not against Huddersfield at home or Cardiff at home, but we even saw against. Burnley, I I think I'm not sure if it was the home game or the away game, but uh, we when we played Sturridge and Enrique, we didn't really create a lot, and Milner scored the equalizer, and then we, when we got Mane, uh, I saw and Firmino, and that's when we uh, uh, actually started playing quite well. I think the that those from three, I think that's what make that's what make our team work. So I think that's the most important thing. I think we need that from three. Well, yes, okay. I mean, yeah, um, I thought they were sensational yesterday and they didn't show, uh, they didn't look particularly tired to me. I thought Mohamed Salah was absolutely sensational. There was a treat, a tweet, excuse me, a treat of a tweet by Raj Chohan, uh, at Raj Singh Chohan, who uh, just posted that Salah as a striker versus Leicester had 42 touches with 23 passes. As a striker versus West Ham, he had 47 touches with 29 passes. But against Bournemouth, when he was back on the right wing, he had 77 touches, about 30 more, and 43 passes. And you could see, I mean, he was aided by Bournemouth's tactics. But he had a sensational game out there on the right. Almost every time he touched the ball, he almost uh, scored or made one. I mean, he he was absolutely terrific. Mane, as we've mentioned, was... Was a was a real fighter, real warrior. He had some great touches as well, looking dangerous. And Bobby Firmino, that assist. I mean, I think I said on the Blood Red podcast it was as subtle as a mosquito's breath. But I wish I had said it was as subtle as a gnat yawning, because it was. You know, you can't even. You can't. You you can't legislate for things like that. It was just a touch of pure quality um who was your man of the match yesterday joe i think on the grand scheme of things it probably would have been a uh, junior wijnaldum just because i thought that he you know on a day where a player who's sort of more defensively minded junior can, can could have and probably should have had a hat trick let alone just his one excellent goal which i think on the bud road podcast you might have said if trip advisor told you a restaurant did chips as good as that, you would go and eat there. Um, oh, yes. I thought it was a great way, a great way of describing it because it was just a delicious, you know, such a cheeky little finish. And I think that one thing that yesterday did show, uh, well, one stat I saw is that 15 of our last 16 goals have been scored by the front three. And that Genies is the only one that that hasn't been. And I think that yesterday gave a little glimpse of Genie in a more attacking role. You know, you forget that, 
this is a Genie Wijnaldum who once scored four goals in a Premier League game for Newcastle, and I think he scored 15 goals in the season before we signed him. So he's capable of scoring more goals, and I think that hopefully it's a sign of things to come because I do think that we need, a, while our front three, we need them, and we do rely on them heavily, and they are three fantastic players. I do think at times there's one minor criticism you have of this team is that not we don't get enough goals from from all over the pitch so I'm going to give it to Genie as man of the match for his performance and hopefully that you know he can bag sort of five in his next 12 games or something like that well that's a very solid choice and you know especially considering he recovered from that poisoning from the Man City supporting chef that I you've convinced me of that that's what happened now um Jamie would you would you agree Genie Wijnaldum man of the match or would someone else take it for it no, one hundred percent, genie man of the match. That that goal was fantastic. Um, actually, fantastic doesn't even come close to doing it justice. That goal was absolutely beautiful. Every single millisecond from when it left his foot through to when it nestled in the back of the net was pure perfection. Um, I was when he he squared the ball to Salah when he was in such a great place to shoot earlier in the game as well because I think he does have it in his locker. We've seen it. Newcastle, we've seen it for Holland, and I'd really love him to to chip in with a few goals now in this run-in and take some of that pressure off the front three. Genie, man of the match for me. But you know, same with you, Jamie. I mean, he he um he was played further forward, obviously. I mean, with, with Shakiri out, and uh, you know, he was as we were saying, he he was interchanging with with Cater before. So, would you like to see more of him in that role, Jamie, specifically in that sort of Shakiri linking? Uh, the defence and the attack more, attacking more? I think it'll happen naturally. I think the more that Fabinho is controlling the base of our midfield, um, the more licence he'll have to go forward. I think this comes back to what we were saying earlier about this is our best balanced midfield. And I think part of that balance is it gives Genie that freedom to get forward, which maybe he doesn't have with the midfield of himself, Henderson and Milner in a three, which... I think we all agree on this podcast that we don't particularly like seeing. Um, so, yeah, I would like to see it more, but I also think it'll be a natural result of Fabino's role in development in this team. That's a good point, absolutely. Um, Linus, who was your man of the match yesterday? Yeah, I, I've kind of been pondering this ever since the game because I figured it'd come up, and I had a hard time d- deciding. Obviously, uh, Salah was fantastic, and... My answer in the end would have been Genie, and not both Joe and Jamie said it, because my second was Fabinho. I think we have we have seen him in the, this uh, 4-3-3 before, and he's not looked great. Yesterday, he controlled that midfield so perfectly. He was everywhere at all times, always, and just broke up the play when he needed to. He played those... Uh, piercing passes through the midfield and just made everything possible. Like I think you, you said, Joe, uh, made it possible for Wijnaldum to play that more free attacking role. And I also think Keita did that with Wijnaldum because he could sort of stay back. I think when we've seen this 4-3-3 with Fabinho and Wijnaldum, I think we've seen Ke- uh, Shakiri there beside him. And uh, I think we all agree on Keita's much better defensively than Shakiri is, even though Keita hasn't been great in the defense before this Bournemouth game. And I think, yeah, I would have said Wijnaldum, but I think Fabinho was our best player. I think he's 
so important and to the to our team right now and so fantastic that I want to give him that because I think without him there, if, even if without Hendo, who I really like, I think our midfield would have struggled way more than it did. I really do agree with Linus' sentiment here. I mean, Fabino for me in the past few months has played himself onto the the first name of the team sheet list with you know the Alisson Van Dijk, um, obviously the front three, and I think Fabino is now part of that group of when he's on the pitch he is one of our best players and it's instrumental that we have him on the pitch whenever we can. He's been brilliant, hasn't he? Absolutely. I'm so happy when we signed him and uh, I think he's good at centre-back. I do. I think he's good at centre-back as well. I mean, there's a couple of times he's played there but I mean, I'd rather have him in, in midfield. But uh, can he stop Lewandowski, Joe, looking, at, looking ahead to Bayern Munich? I mean, he's on fire as always, Lewandowski, he's the Champions League's top scorer with eight goals. Um, can we stop him with just Fabinho and Matip at the back? Well, it's funny that um, what you just said when you said that he made a good centre-back because I, honestly, with the you know the troubles that Lovren's having and the fact he's capable of a meltdown and that Matip is just a bit flaky in general and seems to be incapable of jumping despite the fact he's a big athlete. Uh, I actually think that Fabinho, for me, would be the first choice to play there if, alongside Van Dijk if Gomez is injured if he weren't so good in midfield. I think that, especially against teams who sit back, having someone who can bring the ball out and spread the play like that is, you know, it's essentially you're playing with three defenders and an extra midfielder and he kind of just drops back into the central defence like uh, Fernandinho did a couple of games ago for Man City. I can't remember who it was they played, but they... Fernandinho did it in a sort of quasi-centre-back defensive midfield role, and he did it really well. And I think that Fernand, uh, Fabinho could do that for us too. Um, I'm not going to lie, I'm pretty worried about the Bayern Munich home leg because I think that now we've got Trent Alexander-Arnold back, I'm less worried. I would have been very worried if Milner was going to have to play right back in that game because I think that while Robin and Ribéry are advancing in years, they're still very, very good players. And while they might have lost a yard of pace, um, I think the same can probably be said of James Milner, who never really had the yard of pace in the first place. So I think that Lewandowski against Fabinho and Matip might be a bit of a mismatch. I think we're going to have to get a lot of men in and around uh, Lewandowski because I know that he he's not an on-the-shoulder striker, is he? While he's a great goal scorer, he's not an on-the-shoulder striker. And I think that... Jordan Henderson might have a really important role to play in that game, kind of sitting on Lewandowski's toes uh, and getting in and around him as much as he can and sort of double-teaming on him. Because while Joel Matip is is okay, I mean, even the Bournemouth game, he didn't really fill me with that much confidence. I thought there were a couple of times Josh King sort of bullied him off the ball and I'm thinking, well, Josh King's doing that to him. hate to see what Robert Lewandowski will do. Mm. Yeah, really interesting. What do you think, Jamie? I think in a perfect world, I'd almost rather see Fabinho playing centre-back alongside Van Dijk, purely because I think he's better than Matip. But he's so important to our midfield that I don't think we can do that right now. Um, as for this Bayern game, having a bit a defence of Matip and Fabinho means that we're more likely to have this workman-like midfield of Henderson, Milner and Wijnaldum to try and help them out, as Joe said. I'm a little bit worried. I don't think it's the ideal setup to be playing such a good team as Bayern. And we've seen 
with the Leicester and the the West Ham game, once our defence gets a little bit makeshift, we can be a little bit creaky at the back. So, yeah, I'm a bit worried about this game, but also big home Champions League game with all the crowd behind us. Hopefully they'll be enough to help us keep them at bay. Well, yeah, I think the crowd has a very good point. The, the crowd will be a very important factor. But another thing that we're not, a guy we haven't mentioned uh, today yet was is Alisson. I think a lot's going to depend on him, considering our makeshift, makeshift centre-back partnership. Um, I think a lot's going to rest on Alisson. If you look at his stats for this season, his, his save percentage was phenomenal. Uh, but then since the start of 2019 it's only down to I think about 43% compared to 85% or around there before the turn of the new year Um, not that he's really to blame of course I mean nothing really he could have done about any of our goals this this season that we've uh, conceded but um, but Linus how do you see it going Bayern Munich I see it being a very tough game for us. One thing I uh, I want to start by saying is uh, when we played City last season uh, at home, we played uh, Lovren and Matip, I think, because Vividi was injured, and we still beat them 4-3. Our defense looked really bad then, but it shows we can still beat the best teams in Europe with our makeshift defense. And I think... Matip Fabinho, I think that's a better defense than Lovren, Lovren Matip, especially with uh, Robo and uh, Trent beside them playing very, very well. And also the fact that I saw some stats that Bayern is the team that conceded most goals from counterattacks in the German league this season with eight goals. So that should be uh, perfect for the way we want to play the game. So I think. This game could go either direction. They could either control the game completely and win win both legs, or we could hit them on the break very effectively, like we did Roma last season, or like we did City last season, and we can could absolutely demolish them. So I I really I'm really not sure. I think it's really important we uh, play a play a midfield that can both break up play very well and get the ball to our attackers really quickly. And the same with the defense. I think Fabinho could be crucial there by being so good at breaking up uh, the defense and also being very well at uh, getting the ball to those attackers, almost playing as a fourth midfielder if we go with that four, uh, 4-3-3. So in, well, he can drive the ball forwards. And I, I think we will win. The, at least I think we'll win the home leg, which I think is really important. We have the home leg first. Uh, so yeah, I, I think we have a very good chance. Love it. You're always the optimist. That's fantastic. Yeah, brilliant stuff. Yeah. Um, I think um we're more or less uh, towards towards the end of our conversation here because I don't have too much left on my on my agenda here apart from to say that Jeannie Vinealdum reminded me of a tiger yesterday. He was uh he was sort of beautiful and strong and dangerous uh so that you know just thought i'd get that in there um any other business i mean did you see for example um on google if you type in woe uh as in w-o-e woe is me the 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 definition the example sentence they give you is 
the Everton tale of woe continued. That's the example on Google, so I thought that was quite an entertaining thing to know. Um, but, uh, yeah, any other questions? Anything you would like to bring up? Anybody? Yeah, I, ha- I had one thing I wanted to bounce off you guys. Uh, it was about Robertson. Obviously, he's amazing, but I, especially again uh, with the Leicester and uh, West Ham, I found him struggling a bit in the defensive. He obviously gave away the free kick that led to Leicester's goal and I didn't think it was great defensively against West Ham as well and to an extent Bournemouth but we all the whole team played amazing there and if if so can it have a bit to do with who's covering for him because against Leicester we played the 4-2-3-1 and but we had I think it was Keita playing on that left central defensive midfield role and he didn't do a great job of cover he doesn't do a great job of covering at left back and in the 4-4-3-3, Keita's also playing that uh, left midfield and he doesn't cover as well. I think it felt like he's been playing more advanced this season and in the end we've been he's been struggling a bit defensively when he's not had uh, Fabinho, Henderson or Wijnaldum, maybe Milner also covering for him. But that, I'm not sure what you think about that. Yeah, well, I think that with Naby Keita... Um in front of you. He's obviously not quite as defensively minded or disciplined player um, as a Milner who sort of sits on the left of a midfield three, doesn't he? Or a Wijnaldum who can also do that role. So I think that Robertson's been uh, a little bit exposed in that sense. I also think that one of the, one of the sort of underrated, well, under things that's gone under the radar is that without um, Trent Alexander-Arnold, there's been, so much emphasis put on Andy Robbo of having to get forward that he's having to attack that much because while because while Milner does get forward, you know, very gamely, he's not as incisive as Trent and he's not as as, you know, he's not got as much pace and so the team are naturally going more to the left and Robbo's got to bomb on forwards a lot more and I think he's therefore much more up and down the pitch and he's having to attack a lot more, which means he's having to run towards his own goal a lot more under cover. And I think that that's when he's been caught out a bit. And I think it's in those instances when you've got, say, Milner playing right back that you maybe need to play a Wijnaldum on the left-hand side of a central midfield to cover Robbo because you know that Andy Robinson will be... Andy Robertson's going to be attacking a lot more and he'll need that defensive cover. And I think actually that's what we saw in the Leicester game. Um, if you remember the free kick that was given away, Jeannie Wijnaldum was shepherding, I think it was Mark Albrighton, down the touchline, nothing to see here. And then for some sort of unknown reason, Robbo just came flying in out of nowhere and gave away a stupid foul. Um, so I think that it's understandable that he's... Uh, being caught out more, but that's probably because the emphasis has been on him to attack more. And I think with Trent's return, we might see more of a, a well, I'd say a regression to me, more of a, a rise to the mean of uh, Andy Robertson's contributions. Yeah, I totally see Joe's point. I mean, one of our big like tactics this year has been switching play to one of the fullbacks, using their pace. So perhaps building up play on the left or the right and freeing up Robbo or Trent and when there's no Trent, you can't really do that. And so for the past few games, it has kind of been that diagonal ball out to Robin to Robbo, which means that he's then, when it hasn't worked, had even more ground to cover to get back. And Mourinho was right. He does keep running like a, an energizer bunny, but 
Also, you can't keep asking someone to do that without eventually getting caught out once or twice. Or, you know, the worst fear is that he gets injured doing it, you know, because then we're back to, God. you know, Moreno. Exactly. Imagine that. The horror. The horror. Milner will be playing left-back ahead of Moreno if Robertson gets yeah. hurt. Hopefully. 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 Um, but, yes, I think Robertson, I mean, he's, uh, I think for, I think I'm just going to order a mug uh, you know, a personalised mug with Andy Robertson's smiling face on it, so I can drink my tea from it. Because he's just the kind of person you want on a on a cup of tea, isn't he? Because he's a uh, you know he's just he's 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 wholesome. He gives his all. He tries his best, and he's got a heck of a talent. So I don't I don't I don't know. I think he can. I think he could dominate uh, uh, um, Bayern Munich. But yes, we do need to we do need to cover him. I'm I'm. I'm. I see Bayern Munich as a bit of a free shot. Um, they're five points behind Dortmund in second now, in the league. Um, looking at their last few matches, they've they've done very well. But a couple of matches ago, they, I mean, well, they beat on the weekend. They beat uh, Schalke, and then before that, they in the DFB Cup, they beat Hertha Berlin. But the one before that, they lost to Bayer Leverkusen. And uh, you know they 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 are beatable. They've lost, I think, four times in the league already this season. But you know they're the German champion. I mean they're they're a heck of a team. So it's a free shot. And if we go out, and I don't want us to go out, but if we go out and we just have the league to concentrate on, if it minimizes the chance of injuries, then honestly, I want the Premier League so bad that I might not mind too much. I mean, I'll still be sort of weeping in the bathroom, but, uh, you know, it should only last an hour or so. Though I think mm-hmm. if we do get knocked out of the Champions League, that would only ratchet up the pressure on us to win the league because the whole narrative in the mainstream media, I think, would certainly change to, oh, well, Liverpool have only got one thing to concentrate on now. City have got distracted with the Champions League, and blah, blah, blah. I think it would actually ratchet up the pressure if we were to go out of the Champions League. So I think that while it could be a blessing in disguise, it could also be quite the opposite. And if anything, maybe heap more pressure on the boys. I don't know what we think about that. Well, well that's a very interesting point. But when with pressure, I mean, um, I was listening to, to Michael Owen, of all people, Judas bastard, whatever you want to call him. I think he's all right. God, he's just misguided young young thing i say young he's a he's a month older than me um he's uh uh yeah but he was talking about pressure and if you want to win the league if you want to win cups if you want to win titles and you're a professional footballer you have to deal with the pressure whatever the pressure might be i mean you know you, you, i want liverpool to to, to, to challenge for the league every year. So I want us to be in that conversation. And if it's the only thing we have to concentrate on, so the pressure, I agree, it will be intensified because that's all we've got. But I think we can handle it. I think we, I think just that extra break, you know, the extra time between matches, it could really, really help us. But I don't know. I, there is a part of me that thinks we're going to absolutely hammer Bayern Munich anyway. Um, but yes, uh, would you would you like to have your your say on the matter, Jamie and uh, and Linus? 
Jamie, starting with you, what about what about the what is, what is this pressure thing? Can we hack it? Uh, yeah, I mean, this is a team who Klopp got into the Champions League, and that team he got into that top four was not a great eleven by any means, but they they got the results they needed. It's a team that's got to a Europa League final. It's a team that's got to a Champions League final. That's grown and developed every year under Klopp, and we've never looked like pressure has been the, our undoing. So I think we're fine. And I do agree with Joe's point a lot, actually, that if we're out of the Champions League, then A, there'll be a, a kind of online narrative that Liverpool can't hack it. Uh, you know, last year was lucky. And B, everyone will be staring at each of these last games. And there's that cliche I hate that every game is a cup final because it's not the case that if we drop points, we're, we, we're not going to win the league. And anything to not have to deal with that for the last 14 games of the season would be great. Well, yes, but I mean, after, I mean, the past few days, you know, the nonsense on Twitter and also the the, the just general um, just idiocy of, of the Man City fans who today they beat Chelsea 6-0, but they couldn't stop with their little club mentality singing songs about Liverpool. I mean, it's almost, it beggars belief how, how, I don't know, how we must, they must hate us and everybody hates us. The rest of the world can go, can go swivel, you know. The, the, it doesn't matter what the other fans think or the online online. Uh, pressure, you know, that there is. We can hack it all. That's what I think. I don't know. What do you think, Linus? Yeah, well, the 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 thing. Not only do they sing songs about Liverpool, they sing, they sing about us Liverpool fans getting battered in the streets, etc., etc. Oh, it's horrible, isn't it? Oh, disgusting. Like they they even defend the song. I I'm I'm just baffled by it because. Even in the Manchester Derby, they sing it every game. I don't, I just don't understand it. And there was this uh, video circulating of them singing a Baby Shark version of like with City players, and it just, I don't understand how they keep defending what uh, their some of what their fan base is doing, especially that LA song. I truly hate it. And yeah, I think, especially uh, with this pressure thing, I think not only would it be pressure because City would have way more games to focus on. It would also be this, we could be facing another year without a trophy, and that whole narrative would keep going in the media and in the uh, on social media as well, and it, it would keep this, go- this thing going, like Liverpool really can't win a title, and we would just, it would just be even worse, because this would be the second time where we've come so close or maybe even third if you count 08 09 and we still haven't won it and so it would just get worse and worse so i think staying in the champions champions league might be even more important if you continue if you look at it a bit deeper well there's a different way of looking at that though leaders there is a different way of looking at that i mean um you know your younger quite significantly that I am. How old are you? 17 now? 16? No, I'm still 16. Still 16, okay. Because I've been waiting 29 years for Liverpool to win the league. And I'm very, very used to us not winning anything. And it's like, um, there's another way of looking at it, that every season, a Premier League, that we don't win the Premier League from now, is just, you know... 
it's almost unimportant. It's almost expected. It's a shot to nothing to be in the title race. It's, we shouldn't put any pressure on ourselves or on the players because nobody expected us to win at the start of the season anyway because City is such a, a dominant force. So it, it's a shot to nothing. But then there's if you look at the general progress of the team, if we don't win anything, if that does happen again, um, you know, as long as the players keep the faith in what Klopp is doing and the club is doing and you know our best players stick around and give it at least one more year together because we've got a young team the potential is massive um we might win it this year we might win the Champions League this year we we could win we're up there with the you know the best in Europe the best in England definitely um and it's a great tribute from from you know where Klopp you know found the club just uh, two and a half years ago or whatever it was three 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 years and 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 uh, and four months ago uh, since he joined um you know there's it's just another way of looking at it that if you just look at the progress of the club even finishing second if we get 92 93 points we get a club record uh total i think fantastic what progress we've made and we can just keep going we can keep the progress going with the right signings in the summer someone like a Timo Werner somewhere like that do you see it's like you know we could just step outside of the one season and look at look at the the there's so many positives about the club um anyone else want to chip in on this just uh quickly I think that a message to fans of all the other clubs who are you know, this whole anyone but Liverpool narrative is that I'd like to see what they would say in five or six years' time when Man City are on for their eighth Premier League trophy in a row and they're winning the FA Cup and the Carabao Cup every season. They've won three Champions Leagues and the Premier League all of a sudden has become, you know, this version of the Bundesliga where Bayern Munich won everything. I think that the fact there's a title challenge should just be embraced by everyone because we are in danger of Man City just becoming a PSG in the Premier League and the fact that there are a couple of teams competing with them uh, should be embraced and it should be congratulated, not sort of scorned and look to play the other teams down at every opportunity because, as I say, what will those same people be saying in a few years' time when, you know, Mikel Arteta is leading Man City to their, to their eighth Premier League in a row and everyone will be saying the Premier League's boring and uncompetitive? Yeah, but but that's uh, that's total sense, Joe. That is absolute sense. That's reasoned, intelligent point. Problem with football fans is that sometimes both reason and intelligence are sort of I don't know foreign words to some people, and they just let their you know tribalism take over. I mean, imagine having a hatred that deep of uh, of anything i mean i have to admit when i was you know in the 90s i i resented manchester united a bit too much really um and uh, you know now but i've grown out of it and i think now um you know whatever i mean it's just a game um you know we can uh, but we will support liverpool as much as we can and uh, thank you so much gentlemen um anything else to add yeah yeah it's it's uh, a thing about Salah I noticed, especially against Bournemouth, and he's done it uh, in other games this season, a lot of games this season as well, especially playing from that right-hand side. It's something he didn't really do last season. It's when he 
cuts inside. Like he he loves to cut inside on his left foot. And last season he would almost always just cut inside at the edge of the box and have a shot. This season he's not only cutting in at the edge of the box but also passing instead of just cutting inside and shooting. And I I think that's one thing we've been really. Uh, needed this season that we didn't really have last season. I think he's been doing that very well, especially playing from that right-hand side. And I think that's one thing we get from him playing on that right-hand side. Like you said, uh, Owen, with the stats from him playing striker and right-hand side, we get that Salah cutting in. And I think ran the full width of the pitch at one point against Bournemouth, trying to uh, get a pass to Robertson, maybe Mane, Keita, and... uh, I think that him evolving in that way, it's been really good. And I, I want to see that more of that going forward. I know, I don't know about you guys, but I'd like to see that. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I do kind of, I mean, I like him anywhere. You know, I, I'm always going on about Seller, about, you know, how, how, how much I love him as a player. Wow. He's just, a, and yesterday he was, he was phenomenal. I mean, there is a highlights reel you could see on the Liverpool FC website that uh, I was watching earlier. And you know, once you take the you know the the emotion and the drama of watching a Liverpool match, and you just look at it in the cold light of day, what an absolutely monstrous talent we have on our hands! And I just really hope, really hope he can, he can understand that you know he can achieve all of his dreams in football with Liverpool. I hope he stays with us for as long as uh, for the rest of his career. Um, you know, then he moves into the back room and, you know, he does whatever he wants. He could become the tea lady if he wants. I don't know. Give him the keys to Anfield. Um, yes, do you have anything to add on uh, on Salah, Joe? I think you've put it uh, quite nicely there, Owen. I don't think there's much more we can say about him, really, is there? He's just a phenomenal footballer and looks very youthful having freshly shaved as his social media platforms have shown today so hopefully that can put a youthful spring in his step in the coming weeks oh and doesn't mo salah's shadow beard on his almost cleanly shaven face look absolutely fantastic thank you again for listening thank you so much to my guests uh, as well joe and jamie and linus this has been cop on podcast send us your thoughts Send us your hate, send us your love, your questions, your malware, and uh, thanks. We'll uh, we'll be back pretty soon. Um, yeah. Bye. <laughs>